All right, welcome to another episode of Miami Global Net, where we connect with Miami's international community. Today we have Eyal Harel, founder and CEO of Blue Green Water Technologies, and is accompanied with Lucia Ross, Chief Marketing Officer. Welcome, and thank you for joining us on the show today to talk about what you guys do with Blue Green Water Technologies. How are you guys doing today? Very good. Thanks for having us. So... Let's start, let's dive right in. So tell us, what is, this is a question for you, Am. what is the best piece of advice you have ever been given? Well, I'd like to follow uh, the, the good advice of uh, my dad who always told us as, uh, as kids, and uh, you'll probably notice in, further in the conversation that uh, at least two of his kids ended up in the same company, including him himself. Uh, that um, a quote from from the Bible. We grew in a religious, uh, in a Jewish religious uh, family in, in Israel. That um, I'm not sure if I'm quoting it correctly. It's a it's a biblical Hebrew co- quote saying that uh, you shouldn't uh, do to others what you hate uh, being done to you. So um, I think it's a it's 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 a very um, good concept for life. Uh, on a personal level or on a business level, I, I believe that uh, you should uh, basically do good. Um, we we started Blue Green uh, with that sentiment in mind, and uh, we're trying um, uh, to see how we can help uh, communities. Uh, we started in Israel, then we started spreading um, our capabilities outside of Israel, and, and this is very much entangled with everything uh, that I try to do and with, with everything that we try to do as a company, as an organization, generally speaking, as a community. Love it. You heard it, Miami. Doing, doing good and being kind is key, you know, and, and everything and anything that we do. So water, we're talking water and we're talking water tech specifically. So what does water mean for you guys? Um. First of all, just so that we all talk about the same thing, um, I'm I'm always a little bit reluctant to talk about what we do as water or water technologies because okay. um, up until recently, every time you talked about water technologies, you talked about water in pipes. Uh, you talked about engineers, big factories that were treating drinking water or wastewater or desalination plants. Mm. So water technologies were um, excluded to these um, environments, which are very limited. When we started talking about water, we were having something very, very different in mind. We were thinking about lakes and oceans. And the interesting thing is that although lakes and oceans make 71% of Earth, of Earth's surface, um, there has never been any solution tailored for those environments There are no products that are designed to handle any problem or aspect of these environments. And in fact, very, very little research has been made in that environment. Uh, The kind of rule of thumb is like about 5% of of the oceans have been explored to date. So you understand that there's much more uh, unknown than known. Um, Actually, the joke is that uh, we probably know about uh, the surface of the moon more than we know about the surface of our oceans. So, um, so there's a lot to learn and, uh, and, and a lot to do. So we might find Atlantis after all, if we only explore 5%. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, well, before Atlantis, I believe we will find many other very beneficial things for ourselves uh, as 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 living creatures on Earth. Uh, again, it's it's no coincidence that that water um, takes so much space of Earth of Earth. Its impact on on our life, not just as humans as animals, uh, any living organism, is is tremendous. And to the extent that we know how to treat our water and use those um, uh, insights, um, then I think that uh, our life on Earth will be much better. I think uh, water has um, a potential um, to improve life on Earth as we know it. And it just takes a lot of dedication, um, multidisciplined uh, understanding and a, uh, a, an international approach to, to, to handle the problems that are uh, related to, to our oceans and lakes. So on the, on the website, you claim that you make water safe. Can you expand on that? Yes, um, exactly that. Uh, when, when we talk about water, we talk about oceans and lakes. We started off with, um, the, uh, with the mission to handle uh, problems that are originating in what we call surface water, meaning in lakes and oceans. Um, this is a massive undertaking. Uh, nobody has ever done anything in that environment. Um, and we started off with, uh, with a single microorganism, which is called cyanobacteria, which is um, essentially it's a bacteria that contaminates water bodies all over the world. Um, it's one of the building blocks of life as we know it. And in recent decades, it's been going out of control. It's essentially a water contamination that is, when left untreated, uh, grows out of control. And like any other contamination, it grows exponentially to the point that it occupies the entire water column and creates toxic conditions and and and. Um, hostile living conditions for any other organism in the water, making the water literally unusable and unlivable. Um, in extreme cases, the water turns into what is known in the jargon as a dead aquatic zone. And those are catastrophic conditions in the water. Um, and those problems are not limited to a place or a time. Uh, you can find them uh, all over the world. Indeed, 60 million lakes around the world are contaminated. Uh, we're talking about 30 million of square kilometers of ocean that are um, defined as dead aquatic zones. So this is a massive, massive problem that needs a solution. And we decided that we would like to take on that problem. And, and, and we did. So uh, fast forward, um, we have developed a suite of technologies that combined are able to identify the problem at its onset. We can prevent it, but even if, if it hasn't been prevented, we can remediate it. We can reduce the toxic bacteria in the water column to manageable levels. And we're able to rejuvenate living conditions in water bodies and rehabilitate entire uh, water bodies within a fairly short period of time. And that, and, and that means we are able to really make water safe again because uh, we are able to, to recreate um, uh, living conditions for microorganisms, uh, for fish, for birds. Indeed, the entire food chain is rehabilitated as a result of 
the remediation of these waters. And then, of course, you see implications also on human activities that are healthier and better around those, um, around those water bodies. The economy um, is, of course, also uh, uh, benefits from, from, from those activities and so on and so forth. Um, so this is, this, is what, this is our mission. This is what we are um, aiming for. What, what is causing this growth? of these toxic situations? Is this something that we're doing? Or is it is, is a combination of nature itself or? So uh, yes to all. Um, basically, again, cyanobacteria has been here long before us. Mm. It evolved its crop. It's one of the reasons why we breathe oxygen on earth. Um, and so cyanobacteria is, is basically everywhere. It's, it's, it's in the desert crust, it's in the water, it's, it's almost everywhere. It's the reason why the trees are green. Um, however, under certain conditions, um, the uh, multiplication rate or how fast this bacterial community grows uh, may uh, be uh, go out of balance and cause these populations to basically overgrow. It's like cancerous tumor, if you want uh, an example, or like any other kind of uh, environment where biodiversity is completely destroyed. Um, and those uh, bacteria communities are able to change the physiological and chemical conditions in the water to the point that they become very, very hostile. Um, and this happens as a result of many different factors. Uh, from a scientific point of view, it's very difficult to talk about a single event that happened uh, in history, but, but the, the common um, the common signs uh, seem to agree that it's a, a combination of global warming that definitely helps, of pollution that definitely helps, and, and, and factors like that that ultimately disrupt the biodiversity in water. So let's, let's bring it home to Floridians here, to Miami. So we have Lake Okeechobee, you know, especially it, it is used all over Florida, and there's there's this whole drainage that goes all the way down from Lake O down to the Everglades. So, and Miamians are very familiar with with these you know toxic bloom situations that do the fish kills, and even the the the, the West Coast also suffers from overnutrition of the water. So, using this example that Miamis can understand better because they they've lived it, how do you guys come in? So um, we actually started working in Florida in, in, in 2020. Um, indeed, already in 2019, um, we met uh, Governor DeSantis uh, when he came with a de heading a delegation to Israel uh, to look for solutions for harmful algal blooms in, in the state of Florida. In 2020, we already participated in the first uh, round of, uh, of projects that were the result of the Governor DeSantis Blue-Green Algae Task Force, and we were mandated with um, remediating and preventing harmful algal blooms in Lake Mineola, which is in the vicinity of, uh, of Orlando. It's a 2,000-acre um, land. Now, just for reference, uh, up until then, there has never been, it has never been attempted anywhere in the United States to remediate, let alone maintain and prevent um, harmful algal blooms in a lake of this size. Up until then, efforts of remediation were limited to very, very small areas, up to a couple of dozens of acres, maybe. 
this was a, or this is a 2,000 acre lake that we remediated and maintained bloom free, even though it is downstream of a highly contaminated chain of lakes, even during a bloom episode in those lakes when contamination was pouring into Lake Mineola. But as I've explained before, since we were able to rehabilitate the what we call the immune system or reestablish biodiversity in Lake Mineola, the lake did not bloom, even though contamination was pouring in because it was able to handle it uh, completely by itself. Um, ultimately, uh, we're having discussions, of course, with the Department of Environment, Environmental Protection um, with the aim, with the target, ultimately, to remediate the, the, the bloom conditions in Lake Okeechobee. And we're putting up uh, a kind of a roadmap right now that would um, define the way from where we are right now to the point that we're able to do exactly that. Okay. And will you mean that Lake Mineola receives toxic water from other lakes it's because it's connected? They feed into Lake Mineola, receives toxic water from other lakes. And so the, do you constantly have to treat the water after you treated it to make sure that it remains, it keeps its resistance or is this like a one time or how often? So it's a very good question, and I'm not sure I have a very good answer. Water, every, every body of water is very, very different, and it changes really, really fast. That's one of the challenges that we're facing when we're dealing with water. Normally, I can say with semi-natural water bodies, as Minola is, um, we see those changes um, taking effect pretty fast in terms of re-establishment of biodiversity, which then allows the lake completely naturally to fend for itself for quite some time. Now, how long is it going to last? I'm not sure. I can say, I can say that since we left Lake Mineola, we started in November 2020. We left Lake Mineola. It was, I think, April of 2021. Since then, the lake hasn't bloomed yet. Okay. Um, I would also say that, and, and, and you're right, it, it is the, the last in a chain of lakes. And the reason we went to Lake Mineola in the first place was that it was earmarked is one of the most problematic ones being downstream. Um, I'm happy to say that even though still, uh, I think late last year, the whole system was blooming Lake Minola and we weren't even there. Lake Minola wasn't. And this is due to the okay. fact that the biological conditions in the lake remained such that prevented completely naturally the, the toxic community's ability to reestablish themselves in the water. Can you tell me a little bit about how it works? I saw your video. Your website is amazing, by the way. I like the drone shots are, I mean, I can just leave it up here and play some chill music because it's awesome. But I saw a YouTube video linked in your website about how you guys are, you know, you pour this, I guess, compound into the lake. I'm sure people may want to know what exactly you're pouring into the water, but how does the process work? I have a toxic lake. You, you come in with your guys and you just tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> so it, it, it is a very basic answer to your question. We're using uh, chemicals that, uh, that are breaking into the, in the water within a couple of hours uh, at a very, very, very low dose. Uh, they are being applied surgically uh, in very specific locations in the lake with the aim to create conditions. And I, I don't think, this is the right forum to go into too much technical details, but I'll just say that we are creating conditions that trigger 
a biological chain reaction within the toxic communities that, caused, that causes them to undergo what is known as PCD or programmed cell death. In other words, the entire community undergoes a collective suicide, if you want, which is why within a very short period of time, talking about usually 24, 48, 72 hours, you see the entire toxic community collapses. Now, this is already happening long after the chemical is, is, is out of the system. You can't measure any chemical in the water. Again, the dose to begin with is very, very small and applied very locally. Um, and everything that happens thereafter is completely natural. So what happens now, there's no vacuum left in, in, in the water. Once the toxic communities collapse, you see beneficial non-toxic communities take uh, over the ecological niche. And then you start seeing all of the different layers of the food chain start re being uh, uh, re-establishing uh, themselves. This is a, is a very, very basic layer of what we do. But but it's much more complicated than that because uh, the key the key factor here is how do you activate this biological chain reaction within the toxic communities? How do you press the red button at the right time, at the right place to cause this very, very pronounced chain of events that proliferates throughout an entire lake that is as big as that throughout the entire water column? Sometimes it can be as deep as 20, 30, 40 feet. Uh, how, how do you do that? And, and for that, we, we develop a whole suite of technologies that are um, based on artificial intelligence and deep learning that basically allow us, using computer vision, to uh, collect very good data out of water in real time, analyze it, turn it into an action plan and execute it, within a very, very short period of time. And the reason is very simple, and that's the biggest challenge probably when we're talking about problems in, problems in water. And again, I'm talking about lakes and oceans. I've mentioned this before, lakes and oceans are a very problematic environment to work with because they are chaotic, fast-changing, bio complex biological environments. They are changing really fast. So if you're using the wrong data, or if you're using the data too late, meaning it's out of date, then you're gonna fail. You have to be able to understand exactly what's going on in real time and react to the situation. Uh, otherwise, you've missed the opportunity. It just changes that fast. And so we had to basically close this entire circle of treatment that includes not only what we put in the water, but more importantly, how and when and at what frequency and using what dose and what exact location uh, and be able to answer all these questions in real time so that we get the effect that we want. And like that you mentioned that your, your chemicals, are, they don't stick around, right? right? They're there, they do their job, and then they, they cannot be found anymore in the water after you do a, a test. Correct. So the, the product, for example, that we're using uh, regularly in, in the state of Florida, our Legardoxy, is based on, on sodium percarbonate. So the active ingredient is hydrogen peroxide. And hydrogen peroxide is present naturally in water. And, uh, and ultimately, it breaks into water and oxygen. So it doesn't persist and nothing is left in the water. So you mentioned one of your main services, but I understand you have a new service called Science as a Service. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Yes, definitely. Um, basically, the, the fundamental problem that any lake authority superintendent or even if it is a local county with, with access to water for recreation, drinking or otherwise, fundamental problem that they face is that they don't really know what's going on in the water until it's way too late. Uh, if you look at the, uh, at the way the uh, public responds uh, to algal blooms, um, the public is asked to be cautious, uh, to be cautious about the situation in the water. And if they um, visibly uh, identify aggregates uh, or scum, green scum in the water, they should alert the local authorities. Local authorities will come, take samples, and perhaps issue an advisory if relevant. For reference, um, a problem in water is defined as 20,000 cells of cyanobacteria in the water. 20,000 cells of cyanobacteria in water is perfectly clear water. You can't see anything. When the public identifies green scum in the water, it's when bacterial cell in the water, the bacterial concentration in the water is already at the hundreds of thousands, if not in the millions, if not even more. And that means by the time the public is aware of a problem, by the time anybody goes and checks it and sends it to a lab, and by the time the results come back, the public is already exposed to a whole group of different toxins that are very, very problematic to the health of the people and the life of, of their pets and definitely the life of other organisms in and around the water. So this is a very, very problematic situation. And part of our um, solution that we have developed, as I mentioned before, was designed to allow us to understand in real time what's going on in water in order to allow us to respond to a, an emerging situation in real time. Um, recently, we decided to expand on our capabilities and provide it as a tool for local authorities to allow them to be able to identify, alert, and perhaps even respond if they choose to in a beginning of a bloom before it becomes a public health threat. And this is, this is something that is, that is very important to understand because key to any solution or even to their ability to be aware of the existence of a problem is a good monitoring system in place. And that, as of today, doesn't really exist. So if, let's say, hypothetically speaking, city of Miami or, or any other municipality has the monitoring system, detects a rise in the bacteria, right? Is this something that they can implement themselves? Like, oh, we need to, look, we have a rise. Looks so we're going to peak. Can, we, can they do that themselves? Or do they have to have your people or, or specialists um, add the chemicals to the water? It's a very good question. And I will let Lucia elaborate in a second about, uh, about the, the details of, of the plan and how we're working uh, with, with local authorities. But to your question, uh, the answer is depends on the size and complexity of the problem. So, for example, okay. we were called last year when, when the floodgates of Lake Okeechobee were opened and, and contamination started proliferating throughout uh, the state of Florida. We were called uh, for emergency by the Department of Environmental Protection to come and take responsibility over five miles of canals and marinas uh, around the uh, C-43 canal, the canal that takes water from Lake Okeechobee 
um, 80 miles through uh, Florida and all the way to the uh, Gulf of Mexico. And, and we came there and, and we were able to remediate marinas across five miles of canal within just a few short hours. So with the, together with the South Florida Water Management District and the Department of Environmental Protection, we agreed that we will continue the remediation efforts um, and, and ultimately ended up cleaning 40 miles of marinas along the canal along the C-43 canal. Um, it was the, the effort to treat the, the, the marinas was not complicated, was not so big to the point that we have agreed with the South Florida Water Management District that they can continue the effort by themselves. So when it comes to marinas, small, relative, relatively small uh, aquatic environments, they're definitely capable and equipped to handle these situations by themselves. When it comes to areas that are much bigger, such as Lake Mineola, definitely when it gets to bigger lakes like Lake Hancock, Lake Apopka, or definitely Lake Okeechobee, this takes a whole different level of an effort in order to manage the situation. And there, um, we come with a whole suite of capabilities um, in the water and above the water that, has, that are designed com in, in combination to, to remediate the entire um, algal bloom in that uh, water body. Certainly impressive. Lucia, you mentioned you, you could elaborate a little bit on how you work in municipalities as well? Right, right. It's um, a 360 science as a service subscription service. And what it is is that the whole entire package provides those who manage the water bodies with the tools and the information needed to maintain a healthy system. And what's included in this is remote satellite monitoring where we track the presence and spatial progression of algae blooms. And we use um, satellites, drones, UAVs, and we can determine precisely the areas that are blooming and what needs to be treated. And the managers will get a weekly satellite assessment done by our scientific team based on smart modeling. And we can use that to determine the bloom situation, um, how, um, how, how pervasive it is, and then we can provide an economical treatment plan. So you would, uh, the management, the manager would receive a scientist consultation, and we offer access to our team of experts to help you cope with whatever's going on in the water body. So the scientist can help you respond to an emergency. And if it's an immediate dis uh, disaster that's going on, we can control that. So uh, if you purchase a subscription, you have up to three hours of consultation every month and you have unlimited email support and you're guaranteed a response time of up to 24 hours in an emergency situation. And the most important thing about this is you have a prevention and a treatment plan and it's customized to your specific water body. Got it. All right. So this would be great for municipalities, anybody really who's in charge of any water body. Absolutely, because uh, like, like uh, Al was saying, it's the key is prevention. You don't want to wait until you have a pervasive bloom when you can see it and you can smell it. It's really that's that's I would almost say it's almost too late. We can treat that, but you want to get in there early because if you have a large bloom, it's going to be uh, expensive to treat, and we probably will have to do uh, more and more treatments throughout the throughout the season. If you can catch the bloom before it becomes a problem, 
and then you just have preventative maintenance along the way, it's going to be far more economical for the manager to, to keep under control throughout the season. And I know that we talked about canals, lakes, but we could do also oceans, like you mentioned, like the, the marinas, especially here in Miami, we have the, you know, we have a big river, the Miami River that opens up into the bay. And that's where we have experienced some fish kills because of these toxic algae blooms. So I think this is, this is very interesting. And I know that, I know that uh, we're running also out of- red tide monitoring. Red tide. We forgot about the red tide. Well, that is red tide in, in the ocean. It's, 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 it's a cousin. It's called red tide. Okay. Okay. See, this is why, that's what, this is why we bring the experts because I don't know. So, but uh, this has been great. Uh, guys, I have one more question before we before we wrap up. I know you guys received the Global Water Award for Breakthrough Technologies. Uh, how what does that mean for you guys? How does that feel? That's pretty cool. I, I think it's a wonderful opportunity for uh, people outside of the water community to really to really see what we do um, because it's been it's, it was uh, in the Financial Times and in other industries that we now have that platform where people know blue green water technologies and they're starting to ask questions and that's great because I'm I'm, I'm welcoming having being able to speak with media from different uh, outlets and and tell them more about the company and more about our products so. I, I think that platform has really helped us grow. Awesome. Well, if, if I can, if I yeah. can in, interject, um, of course. Uh, of course, I, I totally agree with Lucia. I just, I just want to add that that to us, um, as as an organization, it wasn't just uh, it wasn't just the 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 recognition of of how far we've 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 gone, but also about the impact that. We were able to um, uh, um, to create on on these vast bodies of water. Um, we one of the key factors related to our winning in 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 the prize was our efforts in South Africa to remediate um, harmful algal blooms in very very toxic lakes in, in in rural communities. And 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 it's true everywhere. But you know when when you get to these places, you know for example Setumo Dam. On the border of Botswana, and you're able to truly touch um, the 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 lives and livelihoods of local people, and and affect them within a few short weeks, um, allowing them access to good quality of water, bring back uh, the standard of water that they've lost so many years ago, um, allow them to have access to healthy food source, uh, which they have lost many years ago. Um, allow them to be able to open a window during bloom times, which is most of the year, because otherwise the water is too stinking uh, and, and, and you don't want to go anywhere near there or even open a window. So that, that to me is, is what you know, makes me tick, that, that what makes me very proud of, of, of what we do. Our, our work touches so many communities uh, around the world in, in, in the most basic way possible. And I think for that, we, we were very proud um, to receive recognition. Well, awesome. I mean, this is this is was new to me when I reached out to Lucia via LinkedIn and she was telling me all about uh, Blue Green. So it's been very educational for me and I'm sure for a lot of Miamians who are gonna be hopefully listening in. So uh, Al, Lucia, thank you so much for jumping on the show and telling us what you guys do here at Blue Green Technologies, Water Great. Technologies. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much.